Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for for a very special episode 55 the 55th episode coming all of about 24 hours after italy won their first international title since her trophy i should say since the 2006 world, 2006 world cup i can't talk today that's always good for a podcast isn't it so we've got a three-man crew here sergio is unfortunately unable to join us today but we have the crew of Sam Lopresi, who thankfully has a voice today. Hello, Sam. Yeah, that was, um, that, that there was, there, there was little to nothing that I would possibly be able to have done yesterday on a podcast. I would have been rather useless. The, the, uh, the, the football factory at legends was, it was about two thirds English fans, but we made a hell of a lot of noise in our section. And when, when the last penalty didn't go in we went nuts i was covered I, I was covered in all manner of flying alcohols and just like was hugging people that i had no idea who the hell they were i was just like it, it was a heck of a thing it was a heck of a thing but now i have i've it's one of the one of the good parts about being a a conservatory trained actor is that your voice is trained pretty well and you can bounce back pretty well so here i am now a man who had no dog in the fight unlike sam and i'm guessing wasn't covered in alcohol after gianluigi donnarumma's 
Final PK save. Chucks, how was that drumstick, by the way? <laughs> it was a lovely dessert. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it was as lovely as uh, yesterday's uh, victory for Italy. And uh, now I was very, uh, very comfortably in my home um, watching with my uh, fiance. It was quite the occasion. So, uh, you know, glad to be here to talk about it. All right. And we will obviously start with, I, I guess, just the, the emotions and the wild mood swings that was that game. And I, I think it's safe to say, after a couple of minutes, things weren't looking so hot. But one, you had England pulling a Max Allegri and thinking a one nothing lead is completely safe. And two, just an, an Italy team having, despite falling down one nothing within a couple of minutes, having a whole lot of time to recover. So, Sam, since you, like me, had a dog in this fight, how was yesterday's viewing and what were your thoughts on the game and how surprised were you to see Federico Bernardeschi be the man who scored the game-winning penalty kick for Italy in a major tournament final? Well, to answer the last one, I surprised in the sense that Jorginho missed his and made him the his, Berna's the, the decisive one. After he came up and and whacked in that that shot in the Spain game, I was infinitely more confident when he stepped up for, for the fourth kick this time than I was the first time he stepped up. And that was a cold penalty too. Like basically just like, like th- I mean, that's, that, that's a fantastic thought process to just aim for the spot where Pickford's going to be, where, where Pickford's going to be last, regardless of which way he dives. I mean, there's no way a goalkeeper, you do that right, there's no way a goalkeeper can save it. But to be honest with you, I was never, I mean, obviously, of course you were nervous, but I was never in an all is lost kind of mode. Even, you know, Shaw comes up with, with that goal, but after some awful, awful marking by, by Giovanni De Lorenzo, I mean, he was, he was five yards away from him when that cross came in, if not more. And I mean, if you're going to make a defensive mistake that huge, you might as well do it when you have 88 minutes to respond. <laughs> and Italy was was infinitely helped by the fact that Gareth Southgate just, he played into Italy's hands by like what you said, Danny, just taking that one goal lead and and backing it up. And, and the thing is that even if Shaw hadn't scored at that moment, it was clear that that's the way he was setting up anyway, which just seems like such a strange thing. I mean, the entire tournament, he's he's been far more. It, it's kind of turned the 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 script on its head a little bit with with English with, with what you expect out of English football. A lot like what people have talked about with Italian football is that you know Italy has been attacking so much more and and has been so much more free flowing and and modern uh, instead of you know b- people just thinking Catanaccio is still a thing. Whereas, you know, in, in England, there was once a, uh, th- there's, there's a meme that I, I, I love, which is like, you know, the formations of the day in the top five European leagues. And, you know, there's th- four formation diagrams that are all roughly similar. And then it gets to the Premier League and it's just 11 dots in each penalty area going, sub defending, let's go! But that's very much not what Southgate was doing, which was amazing considering the attacking talents that he had at his disposal. 
you know, he, he tried to play that game. And after about 20 minutes, when Italy finally started to click into the match from that point on, I never thought that England was going to extend their lead. And by the time Bonucci scored, most of the people in the Italy section of the bar uh, of at the factory, most of us were pretty certain that it was coming one way or the other, especially after Berardi came in and the, the tactical changes that got uh, a, a rather useless forward off the field and a much more useful one onto it. We can get to that if we want to talk about the future of Italy a little bit later on. And everything up to and including the penalty kicks, Southgate screwed up. Because once Bonucci scored, then England was caught in between trying to defend a still ascendant Italy team and trying to have to get back into some sort of an attacking mode. And they could never get into, and they couldn't really get into either one. Italy was the clear team the clearly the better team through from you know especially from from halftime on on up through the shootout and then based on what i've i've read southgate basically was giving orders as to who was taking penalties and when when other people were stepping up to volunteer and specifically i specifically i think jack grealish said that he had volunteered to take a penalty kick and instead of saying, okay, go, Southgate was like, no, it's going to be Saka. And that is appalling management because at that point, you can't go by what you've seen in training. He said his justification was that they'd been tra- practicing penalty kicks and he based his order and his takers on who had done really well in practice. You cannot do that. Because the psychological factors of a of an actual shootout compared with just taking a bunch of penalty kicks during training at the end of one set at, at the end of every session are two completely different things. And to go and tell a 19-year-old child take the fifth penalty kick in a shootout at Wembley for a country that has never ever won shootouts when that much pressure could be, is on the line on this person. It's cruel. And uh, now granted there's, there's no word as to whether or not Saka also said, I want to go, but the it's Italy, Italy kind of benefited from bad management in both of their penalty shootouts in the semifinals and the finals, Luis Enrique basically just took his, a hands-off approach and like, they didn't even know, who was going up next each round until they kind of just like said, "Ah, I'll go and Southgate micromanaged it. And, and both of those approaches failed. Whereas, you know, for, for Italy, the exact with one variation, it was the exact same guys, Locatelli changing from Berardi. And honestly, even after Bellotti missed his, his on the second round, I wasn't particularly worried. I was fairly certain England was going to miss at least one, but yeah, I mean the the emotional roller coaster was I mean it's it's a final. You know, as a Juventus fan, we know what final losing finals are like unfortunately. And don't, don't 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 go any further than that. Don't, don't go any further than that. And and on a personal level it was also a little it was it was weird being opposed to my wife in a sporting event. <laughs> because we are both very unified in our fanhood in American sports, but 
Becky being a, a an extreme Anglophile with actually going all the way to the Mayflower ancestry of English, it, it, this like actual verified Mayflower. It was a little, uh, you know, she's, she's very much an Anglophile. And as we've discovered, we might have a little bit of a, some, some things have already maybe been decided by DNA. I, I haven't mentioned this on the, on the site or the pod at all yet, but all you guys that have been in the comments who have been announcing births and, and forthcoming fatherhoods, I'm in your guys's community. I'm in that corner. We're expecting our first child in the end of September during the Spain game. Becky was getting kicked like crazy. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> and then during the uh, England-Denmark semifinal, apparently baby was very meh, and baby got very excited during the att- during the high moments for Italy uh, yesterday. So we apparently seem to have known at least part what part of the DNA has won out on. Um, a lot of kicking like Marco Ferrati on defense. That's right. Oh, yeah. And... Just, you know, hopefully in a couple of years, we won't have to deal with a teacher coming up to us and asking what our child is doing, grabbing somebody by the back of a collar and pulling them to the ground. <laughs> that uh, definitely was like a dad pulling down his son, wasn't it? Oh my God. It, kind of, but also just, is is there any more of a classic Giorgio Chiellini moment than that right there? <laughs> that, that, that's, that's Giorgio Chiellini, Chiellini going, this is going to be a foul. I know this it's going to be a foul. Is, I don't do get this foul. And yeah. Hey. Yeah. Sorry. Hey. I knew it was going to be a foul all along. Uh, yeah. No, that was, that was, that was fantastic. And the look, you, there are some freeze frames where you see the look on Saka's face. He's like, what the hell is going on? I, I remember the Claudio Marchisio tactical foul. You could always see it coming from about five seconds away before oh, it yeah. happened. But this one, I mean, you knew exactly. <laughs> what's gonna happen <laughs> right as keelina got closer like no this this ain't gonna end up being good oh gosh it's like welcome to the big leagues kid uh <laughs> but yeah i mean the from a from a soccer perspective like like i said before that i i said this last week when we did our our last episode that mancini was by far the superior tactical manager out of these two managers and it, it that proved very much to be so because Southgate did not push the right buttons. Say and and I didn't even mention before about throwing Jadson Sancho and Marcus Rashford onto the, Marcus Rashford onto the field thirty seconds before the shootout. All three of them miss, <laughs> all and or or both of them miss, and then and then Saka. And you know I I do feel bad the day after, and and I felt bad yesterday as well, knowing just how understanding English social media was going to be to three black kids who missed penalties for England. And that's disgusting what's going on there right now. And, and pretty much just English fan behavior in general, even before the game, you know, with the, with people breaking into the stadium without tickets and, and rushing the security, apparently Roberto Mancini's son had his seat stolen by one of these guys that got in without a ticket and and also the b- between that and the racial abuse that that these poor kids have been getting and and also also the 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 video I've seen of of people waiting out on Wembley's concourses trying to take a swing at the first person in a blue shirt that they see. I mean, I'll th- this this may be a sweeping generalization, but I'm going to make it anyway. English fans have not gotten better since Hazel. Like we as Juventini know what 
English fans are capable of because of that. And nothing is better. They've put on a better veneer for the outside world, but the wood is still rotten inside because that is just, un- the, the action is just unconscionable. And, you know, they don't deserve nice things, which is probably why they haven't gotten any in like 60 years. Um, actually, uh, surprisingly disagree with uh, uh, quite some uh... Quite some of your thoughts, uh, Sam, but I mean, obviously, obviously respectfully. Yeah, the tactical battle, I thought was really interesting. Like just as as a tactical game, it was uh, really enjoyable, actually. Just first of all, the setup of both teams and then how it changed, how Mancini changed his tactics and then Southgate responded to his tactics. It was just really for the tactical enthusiast, I thought it was a very enjoyable game. And just and I think the, the, the funnest thing about it from a tactical standpoint is just that they were distinctly different teams from a tactical viewpoint you know there weren't like yeah they weren't just you know cookie cutter the same it was they both teams had distinctly different strengths and distinctly different weaknesses and yeah I mean that was just fun I think it was refreshing to see that I I don't really remember the last time I've seen such a just yeah particular tactical battle um but I actually thought honestly England I thought they dominated the first half really I thought yeah contrary to what you said I thought Southgate actually got his tactics spot on because Italy hadn't done a thing. I mean, the first half, they they really only got going. I mean, 35th, 40th minute. And then, you know, I mean, five minutes before halftime. But um, I was actually fearing for the second half because I thought, okay, what Southgate is probably going to do is just, again, play to his strengths, which is what, you know, big physical center backs and just defenders and just a really, really big team in general. They're all very big guys and just physical guys, uh, the English. And yeah, just play to your strengths, sit back, soak up the pressure, let them, you know, kind of like how teams play against Spain, just let them play 800 passes, but you know, you're not getting through, (laughs) just, you know, hold that tight block. And I thought they'll do that. And I thought, you know, fair play, I would probably do the same because it had been working in the first half. And I thought, yeah, that probably is the way to go. Chiro Immobile, as you (laughs) referred to, was invisible i mean he was you know completely <laughs> invisible and i think had he played the entire 90 minutes which uh, thankfully not or entire 120 minutes i should say which you know thankfully not then i really doubt if italy would have gotten you know that far because obviously the whole the whole switch in the game came when berardi came on and they Mancini just changed the front three and that i mean that worked wonders but i think the only thing where southgate really kind of messed up was I thought, you know, the blueprint for a kind of a, a setup like that is, you know, you soak up the pressure, just two, you know, heavy blocks, uh, defensive blocks, and then you hit them on the counter, which I thought, again, it made a lot of sense. Chiellini isn't fast. <laughs> Bonucci isn't fast. And, you know, yes, Sterling's, you know, faster than lightning. And I thought I was just waiting all game long. I was waiting for Sterling to just I mean, embarrass Keely, just run past him and just leave him in dust. I, I just, I knew, I mean, I just had the feeling that that was going to happen. But I don't know, it surprisingly didn't happen. I, I guess, yeah, they just, there I think were that was a couple really of just... times when it looked like he was about to, and then Keely just made that last move and he was in the exact right place to deflect across or to just, you know, not let him get by, which is just a testament to Keely's abilities, even at this age. Yeah, 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 true. Because, and, you know, the thing this game slightly reminded me of was the semifinal between Italy and Spain, where Italy sort of did the same thing. I mean, they really soaked up the pressure against Spain, uh, let them play, you know, 800 passes. And then 
Chiesa hit them basically on the count. I mean, Chiesa was basically the one man counterattack, which, and that's the thing. I thought it would be that, but then Sterling doing that against Italy uh, because Chiesa did that very effectively against Spain. And he was always that like, you know, in the back of Spain's mind, like, okay, we got the ball, but man, if we lose it, like, you know, we got to turn, like, we got to make sure we take care of well, this guy speeding past us. Uh, so I thought, you know, Southgate would do that, but and I don't know if that was just a tactical failure there that, that the counter wasn't as effective or Sterling just, just on a one V one basis, just, I don't know, didn't come off for him. Uh, I mean, I don't, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, but I thought that that would kind of be the blueprint there. And I thought I guess, that that was an execution failure in England's midfield because after a while, England's midfield just couldn't get, just wasn't able to escape. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and, but the thing is, I mean, I, I guess I didn't really, which I mean, and might slightly address your point, but that's, that's again, kind of the whole thing of playing to your strengths. I didn't think that, you know, England would try and play on ball possession because, I mean, you know, the, the midfield two against that midfield three is, I mean, you're, you're, you know, it doesn't make sense to try and do that. It wasn't even, it wasn't even ball possession. It was like, they were losing the ball after two or three touches to, yeah. to, to that. Pre- and that's why I, that's why I say, I think Southgate eventually just let them let Italy play too much of their game. And also to your, to your point about, you know, when Berardi came on, as you all of a sudden had three guys in that front three who, as opposed to Immobile, who this was the words of a guy that I was at the bar with, who just kind of one of that striker that kind of sits there waiting for the perfect pass. All three of the guys in that front three at that point could go and take you on and, and beat you one-on-one. And that's where things started to come thick and fast as, as the buildup came to that equalizer was that all of a sudden, these three center backs were having to deal with guys that were just going to charge at them with the ball. And you saw, you know, Chiesa, that great shot that, that Pickford just saved and, and some other opportunities up before the corner that, that were starting to create based on that sort of movement. And that's, I think where what was just the masterstroke from Mancini to play that game. And, and, and which is a big thing because that's not an Italian way to play with a false nine and, and just three three speedy winger guys buzzing around. But it worked. Damn, it worked. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And I mean, he had to do something. I mean, because it, you know, things oh, clearly yeah. weren't, you know, things clearly weren't no, working. And, that, and that's kind of why I, I said that I think Southgate actually got his initial tactics right because i think initial tactics of england versus initial tactics of italy england basically were successful 
like I said, I mean, England or Italy were really just dulled in the first half. And then, yeah, that, I mean, they just struggled to really uh, to get going and just, to, you know, create any kind of chances and just and just any kind of threat. Um, and then obviously that changed in the second half. But I think that the, the front three change was only part of the solution. I think also a pretty big part of Mancini's solution to like recovering from, from the very early goal was to, at least I noticed this, was to, it seemed like they were almost bang, playing like a back three of Chiellini, Bonucci, and like Di Lorenzo. And then they pushed up uh, Emerson like pretty high up the left, yeah, left flank. And then it seemed, again, from my from what I remember, it seemed like Verratti was sort of dropping back. It's almost kind of a semi-center back kind of center half. Yeah, center half position to, yeah, kind of pick up the ball from Bonucci and then, you know, spread it, yeah, spread it back, you know, wide and forward. I think that was, you know, a really big part of the solution as well, because now you had Emerson finally like pushed up closer to the front three. And whereas earlier he was kind of semi marking um, Sterling and yeah, he just wasn't able to get forward. And, you know, that obviously just impacted how well Italy were able to get forward. So I think those two changes of like switching Immobile out and then pushing Emerson further up the pitch and then going to a pseudo back three sort of three and then with Verratti in front of it. I think that was just, yeah, extremely well done by Mancini. Very creative and just, the, you know, and like I said, that's why I thought it was just such a, an enjoyable tactical game because there were changes and just very unique changes that not only made like the teams think, but then also made us fans think like, cause I remember at one point I was seeing like Chiellini at like, almost at like left wing back. I'm like, what on earth is he doing there? Like, I just, that was the thing that really like, you know, perked my attention because I thought like, no, never in my life would I think I'll see Chiellini on like left wing oh. back. I mean, it, it, that run reminded me a little bit of those, you know, when three, five, when we were playing the three, five, two with, with, Conte and with Max Chiellini every once in a while would just bomb up from that left-hand center back position and like, and just show up and up around the box. And you're just like, what are you doing? That's the classic Giorgio Chiellini run is where he just gets wild, wild hair going. And it's like, okay, I'm going to make a 50 yard run with the, with the ball at my feet or, you know, pass it off to whoever's at left wing back and then make a run towards the box. And that's, that's just kind of the uniqueness or however you want to describe it of, of Giorgio Chiellini, because for a couple of times a month, it seems like he suddenly wants to become a, a star forward and get all of the goals. Yeah, that's my man. But speaking about a star forward, I, I, I think it, it's pretty hard to ignore what Federico Chiesa did, not only off the bench in his, in his first couple of appearances, but once he stepped into the starting lineup for Berardi and Obviously, he was, for a large portion of the England game, Italy's only source of offense, even though he didn't get a goal. I just want to, you know, Chucks, you've, you've obviously been mentioning him and just the impact he's had for months now, both at club and country. But what did you think of his, his tournament as a whole? And, oh, God, hopefully that, that injury he, he suffered isn't too, isn't too serious and he can come back and a few weeks after vacation and be the Chiesa we know he can be once once he starts training with Mr. Allegri, huh? Yeah, I mean, I was extremely impressed uh, with his tournament. And I think it helped that he didn't start the first, uh, what was it, two games. Yeah, he didn't start the first two games, then he played the third, and then 
played part of the fourth, I believe, and then from the fifth onwards, he played. I think from memory, I think that was roughly it. Um, so I think it helped that he kind of, you know, had a late start to the tournament. So he was able to rest and just, you know, yeah, not have too much fitness pressure on him and and just, yeah, general pressure. But yeah, I mean, I thought he would be running on empty, honestly, coming into the tournament, given just how many minutes he'd played for Juventus this season. And I mean, I guess that counts for every player really in the tournament. I thought they would all be running on empty, given how tough the uh, the season was. But yeah, no, Chiesa was like, like and like I, I referred to earlier, I think he was just so important as a direct counter threat, especially against Spain. I think that was so important against Spain because I think, like I said, without that part of the game plan, I think it would have ended up like England where, you know, you're just kind of run out of ideas and you don't really know what to do. Maintaining that counter threat was so important. And I mean, you know, I think he's really evolved out of, out of, um, you know, he, he had that criticism of like being kind of a, you know, a headless chicken, just kind of, you know, head down and just kind of, you know, <laughs> run, uh, run, and run anywhere. We're, uh, we're, we're guilty of it. We're guilty. Yeah, of it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, me too. Hell, I mean, I mean, not of that specific criticism, but like, I, I mean, I remember when he signed for Juve, I was like, yeah, whatever, man. I mean, Keza, you know, like I, I remember saying basically, you know, Keza is obviously very good, but I thought, man, you know, are we just going to sh- uh, sign the shiny object again? And well, yeah, yeah I mean, he shines very brightly, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, clearly just extremely standout player. I mean, he's been great. And, and, and just adding that aspect to his game of not just being run, 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 but actually being run and like thoughtful action and actually, you know, a, an end result, like a useful end result. Um, that's yeah. Been incredible. And, you know, he's only getting better. So, uh, you know, let's, let's keep him and let's, you know, Praise him to the heavens. Yeah, this definitely was his star turn. This is this is the 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 first potential step on him becoming a, a true superstar in the game for Italy and for for Juve. And of course, immediately you see a report like yesterday morning where Julian Nagelsmann, the new coach at Bayern, is like, "Oh yeah, I'd love to have him." And every and I'm like, uh, "No, you do not get him. No one gets him." he's going to be a building block at Juventus for a very, very long time. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's no, there's so few words that haven't already been said about the way he's played. Just, just having that willingness to just go at a guy and, and make something happen, which you know, a lot of the time in Italy, you know, in Italian teams past, you just didn't have, you know, like three years ago when when we were watching Giampiero Ventura's team just slogging at this yellow wall of yellow shirts that was the Swedes, there was nobody on the field to do that. It was just cross after cross after cross, lobbing at a bunch of huge, tall Swedes and hoping that one of them would miss would mess up marking one time as a, you know to the point where you know Mancini's been rightly praised for his substitutions all tournament and then you remember Ventura in that Sweden game telling Daniele De Rossi to warm up when we needed when Italy needed a goal and De Rossi cursing him out on the bench saying what the heck you know 
che cazzo entro io? And pointing at Lorenzo Insigne, who was sitting on the bench. How far they've come. How far they've come. And, 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 that's the th- and that is the thing. That is, and I think that, that Chiesa and, you know, is, is emblematic of just how far they have come with that, you know, now you have the, this, this side that is, that, that is not just willing to pass the ball side to side and cross. They, you know, this, this is a team that is moving with that and they pass with purpose and they move with purpose. And, you know, if they can find a, a striker that is more productive, more consistently productive in the big games, because I don't think it's Immobile, not at the international level. He's great at Lazio. He's great. He, he scores all the goals at Lazio. When he pulls on the other shade of blue, it's not, it's not the same player. I, I look towards guys like, you know, maybe it's time to start matriculating Moise Kane into the, into the senior team again and seeing what he does. It looked like, you know, it looked like that year at PSG made him grow up a bit. You know, if, if, if Raspadori continues to really develop at Sassuolo, maybe it's time to, to see him start in that striker spot a little more because that is the thing that really, that this team is really, really lacking the difference as opposed to Spain who, you know, came out in the quarterfinals and also did not have a really reliable goal scorer out of their number nine position. Morata, you know, not quite doing it. Uh, Moreno, not quite doing it is that this team was able to spread that load. You know, it's, it, it, there were so many parallels to the 2020, uh, to, uh, to the, for, uh, with the 2021 team to the 2006 team. You know, a lot of different goal scorers. Nobody scored more than twice. Nobody scored more than twice, but Italy still tied the record, the, the Italian record for most goals at a major tournament. So, you know, the team play won out, but it, you can elevate that team play even more if there's somebody more consistent in the middle of that front line who can, re- who can really produce for, for the national team. I don't know how many times throughout this tournament, I just said, God, how much of a difference does a competent and functional midfield make for a team? And this is obviously the last two, three years of Juventus talking, <laughs> but you look at, and I remember I said this on this podcast when Juventus lost to Inter the first time. You have pieces that fit together, and you have obviously you know you you're you're playing for a national team, so you have a larger pool of players to to choose from. But you look at just how well Jorginho and Verratti and Barella and Locatelli, and I mean throw in the other other couple guys who didn't play as much, Crisante and and whatnot, but. Those three main guys just they complemented each other so well. And Barella, you know, he he struggled towards the end of the tournament a little bit. But God, what a what a difference a midfield that makes sense makes other when you compare it to say, I don't know, a Juventus midfield. <laughs> well, hope and 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 here's hoping that the Juventus midfield will have at least one of the elements of the Italian midfield on display next season because if they do managed to get Locatelli I mean you can tell that that's that really is because the other 
the other midfielders on this on Juventus can play the Verratti and Barella roles on either side, but there just isn't there isn't the Jorginho, and Locatelli can do that. He's he's proven that I think over the last few years at Sassuolo, and he proved that over the first couple of games as well when he was starting in place of Verratti, even though Jorginho was the nominal regista, Locatelli was making regista passes out of a Metzala spot. You know, that the first goal that he scored against Switzerland with the pass that he put on Berardi that, and then he, and then he finished the move himself when Berardi squared it back to him. And, and that's, and, and like you said, Danny, it's what we've been saying for a long time. Now Juventus has, players that are supremely talented in this midfield, they just don't go together. And Mancini and the team as a whole, especially when Spinazzola was healthy, it all meshed together into something that is much greater than the sum of its parts. I I was reading an ESPN like roundup of the tournament, like a round table type thing with all of their main soccer guys and, and Gab Marcotti was quick to point out that he didn't believe that Italy had a true superstar on the team, at least from an attacking point of view. And I think that's mostly accurate. I think guys like Chiesa could very well end up at that level at some point, but even when you do have that level of player on your team, you're only going to get where you want to go. If you make that team even greater than the sum of its parts, even if those parts are really, really good already by, by, by having that right mix. And that's exactly what Mancini did. And, and that's what, and that's what brought this championship to Rome. A beautiful note to end on. (laughs) (laughs) A lot, a lot better. The way that Leonardo Bonucci singing sounded, I'll, I'll give you that. So uh, anyways, on that note, we'll wrap we'll wrap things up here. We didn't have Twitter questions this week, but when we do resume next week, which, by the way, will be when Juventus officially start training for the 2021-22 season. So we got that to look forward to. You can send it to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us there or on Facebook. Search Black and White and Red all over. As always, you can follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Search Black and White and Red all over there. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to rate us, leave us a review, say all the nice things that you want. So for Sam, for Chucks, and for the missing in action Sergio Romero, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. It's coming, Rome! 